And what is up, podcast people and soundtrack geniuses around the world? You are listening to The Soundcast, the official podcast of TrackSounds.com. I am your host, Christopher Coleman, and this is episode 44, 44 of The Soundcast. If this is your first time listening to the show, on this podcast, all we talk is film music, TV music, and video game music. And there ain't a whole lot of podcasts out there that are like this. There are a few, but not too many. So we're glad you're listening, and we hope you enjoy what we have to offer. And on the line tonight, of course, we have the Honorable Helen San. Helen, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. Good. It's good to talk with you again. And Richard Buxton, all the way in the United Kingdom. How are you, Richard? I'm good. Thank you. Good. It's always great to hear you so alive and awake at that (laughs) ungodly hour in the U.K., (laughs) <laughs> um, and we also have special guest tonight, one Jeremy Myers. And Hello. Jeremy, hey, how are you? Rocking and rolling. For those of you who don't know, Jeremy Myers is the lead producer for Deeper Context, which is a mini documentary production company that explores the human stories behind our most beloved creative works. Prior to this, though, he spent a decade in the music industry, including time as the head of online for Sony Masterworks, and that's when I first became acquainted uh, with him, uh, as well as original content developed for Sony's catalog division, Legacy Recordings. And I'm reading here that your favorite score composers are Thomas Newman and Rachel uh, Portman, and we could spend a whole episode just figuring out why that is, but we won't do that today. (laughs) But, But welcome, Jeremy, to the Soundcast. Thank you. I will get nothing but grief from hardcore sound, uh, score fans. Sure. <laughs> well, not, uh, not, I, uh, I mean, I think that's rare that your favorites are Thomas Newman and Rachel Portman. Um, Helen, you, you're a big Rachel Portman fan, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought Definitely. so. You interviewed her, didn't you, back in the day? Yes, I did. I did. Uh, I did a woman in film music series. That's right. Interview uh, her and uh, Anne Dudley. And now, was Rachel Portman signed with Sony, Jeremy? Uh, no, but we did we did several uh, soundtracks with her. We did um, Cider House Rules and uh, uh, Oliver Twist, which I don't think that many people saw here, but it's actually a really pretty score. Oh, wait. There was a more recent Oliver Twist there, that came out. There I think, was. There? It was 2005, yeah. I want to say. Okay. And who did that? I want to say... Christopher Gordon, not Christopher Gordon. Uh, anyway, okay, cool. Um, well, it's good to have you on. Like I said, I first we first kind of met online just via you marketing um, the various Sony releases back in the day and and us reviewing them. And um, um, is it? Did you when you left Sony? Did you go straight into deeper context, or did you have some interim? No, I actually spent uh, a year and a half at a PR firm called Wagner Edstrom doing digital strategy for places like Microsoft and Avon and that kind oh. of stuff, just basically teaching them how to communicate better online. Okay, okay. And that was about as much as I could take of, of digital <laughs> PR. <laughs> now, did you did you have, like have a love for film music, and is that what brought you to Sony in the first place, or was it some, something else? It wasn't actually. I started out in um, the rock division uh, in 2004 doing what was then called grassroots marketing and what is now called social media. Um, 
And then as Sony merged with BMG, I uh, there ended up being a, a gap in the staff um, at Masterworks in terms of like who was going to do marketing and, and sales and such for for the online uh, division of uh, at Masterworks. And and I've I sort of grew up with classical music and also um, soundtracks and film scores and Broadway. Um, and okay. that was that was like a lot of what I was interested in uh, amongst other things. So though I sort of jumped at the chance to to work there. Okay. Well, I'm glad you did because yeah. um, those were that was still the good old days when um, they used to send these things out called CD promos. I know shiny plastic discs. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that day is uh, just about gone. But um, well, it's it's great to have you on the show and uh, to talk about a few things. Our main topic of the night, of course, is going to be uh, our discussion on Titanic, which today, April twelfth. 2012 is the hundredth. It's hard for me to call it anniversary because the anniversary feels so positive, and it's really not a positive event we're we're, we're commemorating. But um, the sinking of the Titanic happened 100 years ago uh, today, and uh, so we're going to be talking about James Horner's score. Uh, we also just posted on the site. Uh, if you want to be technical, this morning, past midnight sometime, I've finally published it, um, which features predominantly uh, Richard's great uh, reviews of the recent release of the Anniversary Edition, which includes the original Titanic score, Back to Titanic, and then two additional CDs of non-James Horner music, uh, to put it succinctly, <laughs> um, and full-on. Full on Titanic, more than you could ever uh, imagine that you would ever want to hear or read about. <laughs> but um, that feature is there on the on the on the site. It's entitled "The Music of Titanic" by James Horner. So I encourage you to check that out. But uh, that is going to be our main topic of the night. But as we always do, we always start out with our wonderful "What Have You Been Listening To" uh, segment. And so I'm going to start with. Uh, well, I was going to start with you, Richard, but I think I know what you're going to say. So other than – I will start with you, but other than Titanic, because we're going to get into that later, what have you been listening to? So you starting with me? Yes. Okay. Um, well, uh, you're probably bored of hearing me say his name, uh, Japanese, <laughs> Taro Iwashiro. Uh, okay. But, um, Is he him time... or Naoki Sato? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, one of those two. <laughs> yeah, but uh, him again, almost all the time. I listen to his stuff now. Uh, it's just so good. Um, Something specific? Uh, yeah, um, Onimusha Two, the orchestra album, which oh, yeah. is so they had the original release of the video game score, which um, was predominantly not orchestral. I yes, think, but it's I not, was, it wasn't so great. I didn't think, nope. but the orchestra album is really fantastic. I think um, is these it? tracks. Each yeah, each track is kind of like a suite, um, different variations on each theme, uh, and then it's got a final suite at the end called the Truth of War, and it's really fantastic uh, track for a great hmm. album. This is um, a new release, is it? No, it's been out for quite a while. I think okay. a few years. I think it came out maybe the same year the actual game came out, which was on oh. PlayStation Two, so a while ago. Okay, yeah. But I've never really loved the games, but considering he composed the score, I had to check it out. Absolutely. Um, what else? Also, another one of his, Planet of Ocean, which is a... Hmm. It's a doc... It's a um, nature kind of thing. Yeah. I guess you can tell from the name. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
I haven't actually seen it, but the music is really beautiful. Um, a lot of operatic stuff in there, mm. which is normally not my thing, but he's done a really good job with that. So I think that's definitely worth hearing. Mm. Uh, is that new? That sounds new. Uh, maybe three years old. Oh, so. okay. Not that so new. Not, not, um, the new stuff he's done, he's not done that much stuff recently, which is kind of annoying for me. <laughs> You're running uh, out. You're yeah, going to have to start yeah. listening to something else, I'm afraid. I, know. I don't want to. <laughs> um, uh, sounds and good. Also, I've been listening to a bit of Mass Effect after playing the game and finishing that. Um, score's pretty nice. Uh, the yeah. stuff, I think, from, what's his name? Uh, Christopher Lennertz, I think, is probably the highlight, as well as uh, Sam Hulick's track towards the end of this, the game, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you've seen any of the stuff about the ending of the game. On the internet. Uh, uh, yeah, I've read yeah. and seen a little bit about that. Did you do the DLC to get the expanded ending? They have they released that? I thought they had. Really? Or no. Maybe, no, they haven't. They, they they said it's coming, I guess. Yeah. Well, the ending was kind of ridiculous, but the music was nice. So. Yeah. I've watched it a few times again on YouTube just to hear it in context. So it's, it's quite, quite nice. Um, okay. And lastly... I've been listening to Deus Ex Human Revolution because I was very disappointed when it didn't win <laughs> anything. So well, you can look like, at the you can look at who voted for what. You don't know who's who, but you can yeah. see where where it was where its downfall uh, took place. I, I think we need a new award next year for best game, uh, best score in a series of Deus Ex released in 2011, <laughs> just so it can win something. <laughs> Tough to get multiple nominees for that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it was it did it did get nominated a lot and and yeah. and, a, and in, a, in a lot of categories that were not video game exclusive. So that says a lot for it. It, it is definitely a, a very good score. Definitely, very good. Um, Helen, what have you been listening to lately? Um, mostly, I made a new playlist, uh, which is just a compilation of old stuff. You know, everything from Carter Burwell to Brian Tyler to, you know, uh, John Williams. Everything. It's a so mishmash. You mix, so you mix Brian Tyler and Carter Burwell in the same playlist? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Right next to each other. <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually. <laughs> It, you know, and then sometimes I put it on shuffle mode, so you know it's, and then I try to guess who who's, which track is which. But um, I just got Doctor Who series six today, and I'm very pleased with it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, Mary very gold. Very ec- ec- eclectic, but very has a lot of personality to it. Yes, yes, awesome. Very nice. So that's it. <laughs> that's My not- crazy playlist. Are you a are you a Doctor Who watcher? Um, I started with series one, and then uh, I haven't really gotten very far yet. So yeah. I, I want to. Everybody raves about it, so I'm trying to catch up some good stuff later on. But okay. so far, it's not you know it's not wowing me yet. The good yeah. stuff never comes. <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> the, the good stuff Ouch. never comes. <laughs> I think. I think I, I, think, I don't know what episode, but we were talking about Doctor Who. Maybe it was one of the nomin- nominee episodes or something. Um, and Richard, you never, you don't watch it, or you never watched I've, it, or anything. I've tried it. Everybody loves it here, but I don't get it. Yeah. Is, is it funny? Is it dramatic? I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I, I've seen like five or ten minutes here and there, and it's just like, I don't get this. And so, on to other things, and I never watch it. But the music's great, so I'll take that from it anytime. Um, so that's good. Your your Brian, Brian Tyler, Tyler Carter Burwell playlist, nice. <laughs> and right. Doctor Who, uh, very nice. And so, uh, Jeremy, what have you been listening to lately? Sure. Well, I, I think... Wait, wait. Uh, you know, as some of you know, uh, working from home, it's easy to get distracted. So I've, I've been listening to a couple of things that sort of keep me motivated and on track. Uh, the one that I keep going back to is a Tron Legacy from last year. Um, mm-hmm. It's I, I think it's it's one of those. I know it's sort of atypical film score, but I think it definitely holds up um, as a as a standalone album. Even though I mean, I didn't love the movie, but. Um, oh yeah, it's it's definitely one of those. Uh, they they really captured the the scope, uh, like the big sort of techno ish uh, yes. scope of the movie, and um, in a way that's that wasn't totally mechanical. Um, and I, I'm also just randomly a big fan of Tycho drums in in sports. <laughs> 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 um, well, if if you listen to it, enough episodes of the Soundcast, Tron Legacy comes up quite often. I would bet <laughs> it comes up quite, and it's and it's one that we talk about very fondly, and more fondly as the months pass. Sure, um, yeah, that's it's, been a, a top, a very specific topic. That it's one of those you, like can, you can keep go, going back to. I don't, I haven't got bored of it. Yeah, and um, the other one I, I wanted to mention is um, the first season of Game of Thrones, the, that soundtrack. Uh-huh. Speaking of speaking of Tycho's, yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I that was one that I sort of picked up on a whim because I really like the main titles, um, and it, it I think that's another one that really stands up and and puts you right right there in Westeros. Somehow, you know, the, I I like the main title a lot, and Ramin Javadi's done a great job with that. But that's all that sticks with me. You know, I've yeah. listened to it a couple, three times through, maybe, and that's all that I come away with. Um, I think it's. I, I think it's kind of. It can get repetitive in that it's. It's. It's basically. I think if you think of it as the theme and then variations on it, it works. I. I, I agree with you that the the main title is the one that you're still kind of still humming, um, but in terms of like setting a mood, I think there's yeah. something to be said for like. You know, sort of variations on that theme. Sure, and, and I don't. I have never seen Game of Thrones, so uh, I don't. You know, that's. I'm sure that has something to do with it. Um, rent it and uh, prepare to be confused. Yeah, well, I, you know, it's it, yeah. I'll just wait. I'll just wait it out for it to go on <laughs> Netflix, which would probably be, be like ten years from now. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, nice, nice selections. Um, I have been listening to a couple things uh, quite a bit ever since, and I don't know why, but ever since the Q Awards ended, I've been listening to Avatar a lot. And I, it's really odd because when I originally reviewed it, I think I gave it a 7 out of 10. I think there's some good moments in it, um, but it's really grown on me. And there are just moments that I like. I just like more and more and more, and I keep going back to listening to it. Um, and it was... Um, was it? I think it was Eric when he came on from Cinematic Sound Radio. Uh, he was the one urging us to listen to it again and listen to it loud. I haven't been listening to it any louder, 
but I do enjoy it a lot more now for some reason. And so I've been listening to that a lot, and I don't know why. Uh, it's just really kind of grown on me. I think that time away from, same with like, well, Tron I never really, Tron Legacy I never went away from. I mean, there's probably a short time where I stopped listening to it. But when I came back to it, it just was sounding better and better. And and uh, Avatar is sounding better and better to me. So that's one thing that I've been listening to quite a bit. Have you, have you guys had that experience at all with Avatar? Anybody have that experience? I've, I liked it pretty much instantly. So. But I love James Horner, so... No, not you. <laughs> so... <laughs> So it hasn't gotten it hasn't gotten better or worse over the last uh, two years. No, not really. Um, my opinion of the film has changed, but uh, the score has pretty much remained. I really like it. I think it was probably my favorite of one of my favorites of the year when it came out. I can't, okay. can't remember what came out along with it, but yeah, it was one uh, of my favorites for sure. Okay. Um, I recently purchased the the deluxe edition two disc release of Hook by John Williams uh, released by I think it was La La Land at least I think that's where I bought it from was it? it was yep Um, fantastic I mean I've always loved that score and this two disc release has has done it uh, justice Um, and I think it's it's a wonderful release anyone who likes Hook it's a must have and it really you know if I'm being honest as I start to mess around with my top 10 John Williams list, which is probably the hardest top 10 ever to put together. Uh, Hook Hook moves way up that line. And, and it's only because of my devotion and the impact of things like Star Wars and Raiders that I don't know if it could top those. But if I was being honest in the music part of it, it might have to go even past those. Because that, that is just... I mean, it's the quintessential fantasy uh, score, and and I just love it, and I love it all the more now. I, th- uh, I think for, for me, it's one of those that people mention with such reverence and sort of boss classic type that it, it does make me want to check it out. I just haven't I haven't gotten to it yet. It's it's on the, the list. You mean the the new release or it's, just the, the well uh, in general the score? I mean, I think that's it, I don't know in my in my browsings. I think that's one of those that ends up in the. Why isn't there? Why hasn't there been more attention paid to? to oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. That you know, it's funny because um, that comes up a lot, and and the the movie definitely has a cult following. I love the movie. I you know, a lot of people find a lot of faults with it. I I never did from the first time I saw it until this day. I, I I love it. I think it it does what it's supposed to do and what it's trying to do. Um, and so I've always had an affinity for it, but and and the music, of course, is goes right along with that. Um, the other thing that I've been listening to has been The Hunger Games by James Newton Howard. Haven't seen the movie yet. Don't go see it. <laughs> I, and I've heard mixed things. <laughs> um, some are like, yeah, don't bother. Some are like, it's okay. And some are saying, it's great. So and and all different people that I respect their opinions on movies. So um, so I, it being such a mixed thing, I, I just haven't convinced myself to go see it. Um, and Have you so read my, the books? I I've read the the first third of the first book, and yeah, it was you know it was okay. It 
it obviously didn't really just grab me. I mean, people I tell that to, they're like, how could you possibly have put that book down? I'm like, I don't know. I just did. And I never went back to it. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, 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 I kind of understood the world. You know, they're introducing everything in that first third. And I'm like, okay, I get it. Um, but I wasn't like, oh, now I got to know what happens to this person and who lives and who dies, you know. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm sure that would make a big difference in uh, seeing the film would obviously make a big difference in my appreciating the music, but there's some really great moments in that score. Uh, and then there's some, some, some moments that are rather bland and boring. Uh, have you guys all listened to the hunger games? Uh, yeah, I have. And, yeah. uh, I like it. Yeah. Um, they didn't use it very well in the film. I don't think. Oh, I was, cause I heard it before I saw the film and I was, Obviously, I had my favorite tracks, and I was waiting. Oh, I want to hear how this sounds in the movie, and then it didn't come. So, oh. like one of my favorites was the uh, called the countdown, uh-huh. and I guess you can obviously expect the countdown to when the game be- games begin. Yeah. And well, that track's not featured. Um, so many oh. of the, but the best moments in the score are featured, and probably the best moment of the film. Uh, so that was, I guess, that was a highlight. But the rest of the film kind of sucks. And I, I read the book like just before I saw the film, uh-huh. and it was pretty disappointing because I enjoyed the book. Okay. Um, but I got right up to the end and I didn't finish it. I had like thirty pages left of the book and I, I hadn't finished it in time. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go see this and then hopefully it'll be good and I'll enjoy the. I can read the ending afterwards. But since seeing the film, I haven't picked the book up because <laughs> wow. kind of ruined it. <laughs> so. So you have, you have. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, people say you can't compare the film to Battle Royale, but you can, and Battle Royale is 100,000 times better. It's just, I was actually really annoyed when I saw that film. Hmm. Just the way they did it, it was just kind of wrong in so many ways. And also hmm. not PG-13. Yeah. <laughs> but if, it would have been a lot better if it wasn't, if they had hmm. shot it as, uh, I don't know, an R-rated film. Hmm. As dark as the books are. Yeah. But so it sounded like Rick, you had a different opinion on uh, on the movie itself, or or the adaptation, or what? I mean, I called you Rick. Sorry, Jeremy. <laughs> <clears throat> no, I I I I'm only hearing secondhand from my girlfriend, who's is a fan of the books and the the movies. That it, it sort of didn't um, it it stopped short of full commitment to the the darkness and violence of the of the books. Hmm. Okay. Well, it has its moments in the score, and given the short amount of time that James Newton Howard had to do this, you know, I give him full props. I mean, it, it, there's there are some great moments in there. Um, just overall, you know, just comes out as kind of average, I think, um, taken as a whole. Uh, so that is what we have been listening to, and of course, we would love to know what you've been listening to, uh, and you can let us know. Uh, what are we missing? Did we miss something recently? I know there's a lot of good stuff out there. Wrath of the Wrath of the Titans, uh, at least from what I've heard of it thus far, it's it's Have different. You, you haven't seen the film. Haven't seen the film. No, don't now, see that either. Don't see that either. <laughs> really? Now, see, I, I I like the first one. I mean, not yeah. when I say the first one, I mean the the recent, more recent Clash of the Titans. I mean, I don't think it's as bad as people go on and on and on about. Um, and, and I enjoyed the score as well. Yeah, so I like the score as well. Yeah, I haven't seen the first one though. Oh, you haven't seen the first one. Okay. I mean, no. it's not it's not great, but it's okay. What were you going to say, Jeremy? 
Do you have to have seen Remember the Titans in order for the other ones to make sense? Hey, you can't do that. That's my <laughs> joke. That's my because I, I said the sequel to Wrath of the Titans was going to be Remember the Titans. <laughs> I thought that was a prequel. <laughs> no, it's because I'm assuming all the Titans get killed, so it's going to be uh, uh, Remember the Titans. <laughs> okay. If it if they go the Immortals route, which was a seriously disappointing movie. I mean, visually very beautiful, um, but just. I did. I, I did not connect with that movie at all. Anyway, um, I I still. So you saw the movie, uh, Richard? Yeah. And you didn't like it? Not, not cool. No. <laughs> uh, uh, but the score, what the bits I've heard, you know, it 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 doesn't. I mean, it's kind of in the same wheelhouse as uh, Ramin Javadi's, but different themes, all that. Uh, it didn't sound that bad. How did it work within the film? Um, it's quite repetitive. They beats the the main theme over the head over and over it's used a lot so if you enjoy it then i guess you'll like the score but if you don't then you'll hate it Hmm. but i think i purely on listening since i haven't seen the first one i prefer um ramin javadi's score Hmm. okay i recommend just you know check the movie out i mean with what you've said um you may like clash better i mean it's 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 just it's there's not a whole lot of depth to it or anything it's just kind of what you see is what you get, and there ain't no more to think about other than <laughs> other than what you just saw. I think I probably um, will check it out. Yeah, I, I'd say it's worth it. My um, husband saw it. He said it was kind of like a music video with no plot. Oh, really? <laughs> That's what he said. Wow. Now, Wait, you guys which, saw the first one, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah? And you I liked, liked it? I liked the first one, yeah. I yeah. liked it. it. I mean, it wasn't the best movie in the world, but it was all right, you know. Yeah. It was. It was good. And the okay. the music was great. I ran out and bought the score as soon as I finished the movie. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's a good one. It is a good one. Um, yeah. So, as I was saying, how did I get on the Wrath of Time? Oh, yeah. Um, we want to know what you guys have been listening to, and you can let us know. Uh, contact us. Send us an email. How do you do that? I'm gonna tell you. Soundcast at tracksounds dot com. You can let us know by that. You can give us a call. Leave us a voicemail. 407-512-0614. Or tweet at us, at TrackSounds. Um, and tell us what you've been listening to. Uh, we would like to know. Uh, we have been getting some interesting emails. And uh, I think we had a voicemail. Which we're gonna, there are some, some, some really good questions that have been asked that have been saving for us to answer as a, as a group. On the soundcast. So those of you who've sent those, um, uh, thanks for being patient and look for our responses uh, in an upcoming soundcast episode. So that's going to move us into our sidetrack segment. And uh, kind of a kind of two little segments here, but that are tangentially related, or well, actually they're directly related. Um, I had tweeted uh, recently this this week. I had watched the the final director's edit cut. I forget. There's so many different versions of Blade Runner, and it's been several years since I watched that movie. Um, and I, you know, as a kid, I remember. I saw Blade Runner in the theater, you know, it was 1981 or 82, must have been 82, 
um, you know, Harrison Ford was in it. He was still Han Solo as far as I was concerned. Was like, oh man, Han Solo's in another space movie. I'm gonna go see it. You know, I'm 13 years old and I'm like, what the heck is this? I mean, it was like, this is the worst movie I have ever seen in my life. I absolutely hated it. Uh, and I didn't watch it for many, many years after that. Um, of course, as an adult, you know, hopefully you're a little smarter and more mature and can kind of understand a little bit better what's going on. Um, and, and I really like the movie now. I think it's, I think it's uh, a fantastic movie, actually. Um, and so, anyway, I tweeted out, hey, you know, watch Blade Runner. Great movie. But you know what? I'm not really feeling the score as much as, uh, uh, as a lot of people do. And that brought on, and you know, I wasn't trying to tr- be a troll or anything. I was just, just tweeting out what I was thinking. And I didn't think there would be much response one way or the other. Um, and then, you know, there was a bit of, hey, well, hey, now, don't you dare. Don't you dare talk about Blade Runner in any way, shape, or form, which is not 100% positive, um, music included. And so I thought I'd bring that up for us to to discuss. Um, I I don't think that Vangelis' score is that great. I think, and and I'll speak on one specific part of that score in a second, but, uh, I mean, it fits the film fairly well, except that one element. But... uh, I just wanted to put it out there for discussion. Um, Jeremy, what do you think of Blade Runner, the film, and then Vangelis' score? Well, I had sort of a similar experience to you, though. I was um, three in 1982. (laughs) (laughs) If you understood it, I will give you full props on the air. (laughs) But, you know, I I did was in the theater for Return of the Jedi, so I I did have the, the Han Solo connection. Um, I actually watched it probably when I was 10 or 11 and and, um, thought it was, I I liked it, um, but I was kind of a a fantasy sci-fi nerd uh, at that point already. Um, But I think it's, it's one of those films that takes on greater meaning later in life. Um, Yeah. And I I actually think it's really interesting. The the recent uh, DVD and Blu-ray release to compare the, the versions, especially with and without the voiceover. Yes, um, and it really um, it changes a lot of the the movie, and um, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot to dig into there in terms, of, both in terms of creating a world, and in terms of all the moral ambiguities that are placed in front of you in a way that that doesn't really exist in um, a lot of all the a lot of um, sci-fi movies or, or movies in general uh, in terms of you know shades of gray and yes, uh, is, is Deckard real or replicant and yes and I think there's a lot there. Um, in terms of the score, I mean, I, I, I know what, where you're where you're leading, um, but I I am a fan of the score. I'm it's not necessarily one of my top ten, but I I did buy the the three disc reissue um, that Amazon put out a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. um, a, and I think it it definitely fits the the mood, and I think it it is it was in some ways um, ahead of its time in terms of melding the futuristic with um, the noir elements of the movie um in a way that actually sort of reminds me of uh tron legacy uh one track the, the end titles specifically um mm. are, are sort of are, are very reminiscent or or vice versa um i yeah. suppose <laughs> unless we're going yeah. back in time forerunning forerunner of, of yes yeah. that's the word i was looking for um yeah yeah i mean i i i think the early 80s were not the best time for 
the synthesizer in terms of um, film scores. There was a lot of cheesiness happening. Um, but I do think that... Um, well, they weren't cheesy at the time. Right, right. Well, They were hindsight, like, ooh, cool, in, electronics, you know. In, in hindsight, <laughs> certainly there were some dubious moments. Yes. Um, but, but I do think that um, it strikes a good balance between what is essentially film noir and the, the more um, technologically-minded elements of the movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, Richard, what are your thoughts on, on Blade Runner and, and the movie and the score? Uh, well, I saw the film pretty late. Um, I saw it when it was on Blu-ray, so that's the first time I saw it. Oh, wow. Maybe, well, that's... a few years ago. Yeah, that's probably the best best time to see it <laughs> in, as you're older in life, I think. Yeah, um, I, like, I like it. I think it's a good film. I like the themes in the story, obviously, from the that came from the novel. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I like the idea, but I think considering it's had so much hype... It had no chance of living up to it. I mean, mm. people are saying, oh, it's the greatest sci-fi ever made, it's the greatest movie ever made. So for me, it's not, because it can't live up to those expectations. But sure, it's it's a good film. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about all the different endings, because the first ending I see, if it's the original film, I'm going to consider that the ending. Even if someone says, oh, no, I changed my mind, this is the ending, I'm not going to be able to so, change that in my mind, if you know. So the first one you saw was the the original theatrical release with no, the narration, the, the um, director's the cut, director's cut, yeah. Okay, final. Yeah. So it's kind of hard for me to change my mindset. Oh, okay, this is the ending because the one I saw is different, you know. Now, does the director's cut end uh, with the driving off into the mountains, or did he did he <sighs> cut it back? I think no. I think um, it ends. With, it ends with the elevator when with them running into the. Okay, elevator. okay, good. So the theatrical is the one that ends with them driving off into yeah. the mountains. Okay, all right. Which I hate that ending. <laughs> I, I I hate that ending. It is it is so yuck. But, Christopher, did you did you have a chance to watch the the um, documentary on the Blu-ray I set? Did. Well, I have the HD DVD, or, so that tells you how long ago I bought it. Indeed. Uh, uh, but I did, and it's that is almost as interesting as the movie itself. Absolutely. I mean, it's 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 mind blowing what 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 happened for that movie to to come to be, um, and and Ridley Scott's you know all the things that went with him. But uh, yeah, and I, I, oh, I and I wanted to point out, Richard, it's a, a great yeah. point. If if you haven't read the the Philip K. Dick book, you really should. It's it's amazing. Which I haven't. Yeah, yeah, I haven't, I haven't read it. I mean, the, from what I understand from that documentary, they're very different. The book and the film, whichever yeah. version you take, are are very different. I mean, almost polar opposites in the message that they're saying in some ways. Indeed, they're both they're yeah. they're both well worth checking out. Though. Okay, uh, Alan, what are your thoughts? Oh no, Richard, did you didn't talk about this? What you thought about the music at all? Uh, did you? The music. Um, I think the main theme is one of my favorite main themes uh, I've ever heard. I think it's it kind of screams sci-fi, you know that yeah. sound so I, I, lo- I listen to the main theme a lot but it never really gets past the first track when I'm listening uh, mm. maybe if I forget oh I haven't put it back to the beginning again but it's not it's not something that says listen to me after the main theme um, obviously I recognize the impact it's had on other like Deus Ex one a score that I yeah. love and you can yep. hear the sound from Blade Runner yep. in there all the way throughout so I recognize and I appreciate 
what an impact that score had, but apart from the yeah. main theme, it doesn't really do much for me. Okay. What about you, Helen? Movie and score? Um, I first saw it about, I think, 10 years ago or so. Hmm. Um, I didn't think much of it, but then I don't like Ridley Scott's movies ever. Oh. I don't know why. I, I want to like them, but I huh. I just never liked any of the movies he's directed, so that could wow. explain why. Um, huh. And the That's score was not memorable for me. So yeah. neither neither one of them were, uh, you know, resonated with me. But now, when we did our... Sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to ask, are you going to see Prometheus? Probably Helen, not. Helen. <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> no, no. Is it Ridley Scott? Yeah. 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 I, I've just given up seeing any of the movies he's made because so I have it... never liked a single one. Because his movies are tend to be dark. Is it the Is it the dark? The dark style of it. They're dark, but I've liked dark movies before. Just I think it's dark and boring, usually. <laughs> For, I don't know why. Yeah, but, even but even humorous and boring is bad or light and boring. <laughs> you know, they they are very sort of slow paced as a rule. I mean, yes, more yes. deliberately They're paced than. Yeah. Even Gladiator, yeah. you know, I wanted to like Gladiator. It was Hans Zimmer. Oh, I forgot about that. Stuff and, and Holy I moly. I like it. I couldn't <laughs> like it. I just, I totally spaced that that was Ridley Scott. I mean, and him and like his that, brother are probably, or like polar opposites in that realm. Yeah. yeah. I know, I know. I love Tony Scott's movies. <laughs> and and I can't stand Ridley Scott's movies, so, okay. It's because Tony Scott is, you know, high concept, high action, crazy, A lot of quick craziness. Cuts. Yeah, and, and I I I tend not to like Tony Scott's movies, um, I, and I can't say I like all of Ridley Scott's movies though. But I like more of his than I do Tony Scott's. Interesting. I guess Very you kind of have to choose a Scott. I, yeah, <laughs> choose a Scott. Choose a Scott. Um, I yeah, I, I'm I am looking forward to Prometheus. I'm looking forward to what Mark, Mark Streitenfeld does for the score as well. Um, uh, with Ridley giving him direction and Ridley's appreciation. I don't know if you guys saw that interview, that little brief interview that or question and answer that he did. And he talked about, you know, Mark Schreitenfeld and, and how, and Ridley's own appreciation for film music. Uh, that, that kind of made me feel really good that, okay, he's not just saying, Hey, Mark, go do something. You know, I think it, I think what he'll do will be apropos for the, for the film. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. Now, there is one particular element that I, I focused on in my tweet and, and uh, or in some subsequent tweet, and that is the saxophone. Uh, you know, the, the electronic part it seems to be a natural, seems to, to fit very well with, with, with the film. I mean, yeah, you could have gone fully on orchestral if you or symphonic if you wanted, but um, I think the electronic, as cheesy as it is even now, I mean, it's kind of retro. People are going back to doing that kind of stuff. Um, I think that worked very well. But the saxophone is so off-putting to me. It just pulls me immediately out of whatever moment, romantic moment, whatever moment it is, I am immediately aware of the music, um, which... which I think I've said this before, or at least had a discussion before about before. I don't think saxophones work in symphonic scores. They're, it just is a, it's a sound that 
it calls too much attention to itself, and it always sounds sultry. I mean, a, a saxophone is is usually sultry, if it, especially if it's like the lead. Um, and so, you know, I was going back and forth with a few people on on that particular issue. I know it's film noir, and I understand why uh, Vangelis would choose to do that. Um, but but pairing it with electronics really just just didn't work. So I, I wanted to put that out there. One, that specific element of Blade Runner. And then, do you know of any film scores, symphonic film scores, that have a saxophone prominent, not just like playing an accompaniment somewhere or as a part of a big brass section, um, where it works? Anybody? I wish it did work because I play the saxophone. So, oh. But I don't <laughs> I think it really that. does. <laughs> it doesn't really work, does it? Um <laughs> If you go to Japanese music, I think they seem to have something. They seem to have a love for it. So there's quite a few. What? Uh, yeah, by Iwashiro himself, uh, Nihon Jinbotsu. If you listen to that, uh, some it sounds pretty good. Saxophone. Some of the tracks, it's the lead instrument. Um, there's now, what one, kind of mo- what, what kind is it? A, but what kind of is it? A or is it a symphonic score? A lot of it is, yeah. But it's got electronics really? in there too. Oh, okay. So it sounds pretty good. Um, there's also Koi Ni Ochitara, which is by Toshihiko Sahashi. Uh, he does a lot of the Gundam scores, and he mm. seems to like it as well. Uh, mm. And otherwise, I was uh, was it Lethal Weapon that used it a lot? I'm not sure if it was symphonic, but um, I th- you might be right. Um, David Sanborn, I think. Yes, and Michael Kim. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, see, I mean, it works, but it's just distracting to me. Very, very distracting. Um, but I'll have to check those out. Those, uh, you know, those are pretty obscure. So I'll <laughs> have to see if I can uh, find that. I've yet to find one that. Uh, in fact, someone, um, uh, Rick DiMagella, uh who was we were hoping could make it on with us, but it doesn't look like that's going to work out. He he had pointed out uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Uh, and that was by Maurice Jar, and I love Maurice Jar, and I did not remember that there was sax in there, so I'm like, where did he use sax? So he he uh, pointed me to a YouTube video that of one of the tracks, and you know, there's this great orchestral part, very subdued, and then out of the blue, it's just like, um, I don't know, uh, the, I'm trying to think of a famous saxophone, Ornette Coleman just busts out of nowhere and starts just going off on the sax i'm like it was so it was so horribly jolting out like no you don't get a pass on that one that's horrible not that it not it's not horrible performance or anything it's just it's just so distracting um any any others you guys know of or what do you guys do you have that same feeling or does it not bother you I just don't know how you can do a movie that takes place in a dystopia in Los Angeles with a guy um, who's a detective in a trench coat and not have some sort of wailing saxophone part. Um, oh, I think easily. It's just sort of, I, it's, easily. It's, I think it's it, you, you kind of, I don't know, I think you kind of have to do it. And also, I, I'm i not sure that the, the score is particularly orchestral. I mean, it is, it is in terms of non, uh, in terms of being instrumental, but I, yes. I, don't, I don't know, you know, there's, there isn't really a, a big string section or, True. or, you know, that's really, um, as I was talking about before, I mean, I think the, the melding of, 
organic and artificial, you know, as a theme that runs through the movie and the score. Um, True. I think that that both sets a tone. And I, I think maybe part of the, the interesting part of it uh, is that it's so um, sort of emotional and and, you know, really like human, the, yes. the saxophone. Agreed. Yeah, that that is a good point. I mean, it, I I never I didn't think about that until you had just said it. That yeah, maybe he's echoing the that the dilemma of the movie: the human yeah. versus the you know non-human or the artificial. But I mean, it's just so there's no middle ground. And you're right; it's not really an orchestral score. It's it's more atmospheric, which yeah. makes the the sax stand out all the more. Now, are are, are you talking within the movie or listening to it away, away from the movie? When I watched it, rewatched it just the other day, I was every time the sax came in, I was I, whatever was going on. I, all all I was aware of at that point was the saxophones playing, the saxophones playing, the saxophones playing, <laughs> and it just so distracted me from just watching and listening and you know being in the movie. Um, and you're you're right, it, you know. It, I mean, had he wore that the 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 fedora or whatever hat he was supposed to wear. It would have looked all the more film noir, but he didn't. So I don't really get that. I mean, it is a film noir. It is, uh, but it 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 didn't have to be that on the nose. You know, you can make film noir and not, you know, with the narration, all that. Yeah, all that kind of cheat because the narration was cheesy, and that sax to me is cheesy. So it does make a nice little. Uh, cheesy melt <laughs> or something you know, you know but it, uh, it, uh without the narration it's even more distracting because it's just out there it's just like here comes the saxophone you're in the sci-fi film and then boom there's a sax playing it's just like unless you're in a cantina bar on tattooing it doesn't work you can't it just doesn't work um though I, so I I, I I do think that's interesting though that the juxtaposition of I mean, maybe it's. It, it, I'm trying to remember exactly where the saxophone comes in in the in the movie. Um, I feel like I it's it, in more like a love scene yes. section. Well, well, when they meet, I think when he first goes into whatever the name of that company, Ty- Tyrell, Tyrell that big, yeah. the big building, and it's that um, incredible sunset, and he's walking, and I think that's the first place I was like, "Oh, saxophone, saxophone, saxophone!" <laughs> that's the first place it hit me. So those are very human moments. You know, it's, it's, it, you yeah, know, a machine can't necessarily moments. appreciate a sunset. I mean, and then yeah. the love scenes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could give the, the romantic love scene stuff a pass perhaps, but it comes in moments that are not lovey. <laughs> it's just not. Just not. Um, so I don't know. Um, Helen, do you like saxophones? <laughs> In jazz scores. Uh-huh. But yeah. like like the Russia House, Jerry Goldsmith, yeah. you know, that that's works great. I mm, I agree. I, I think, think it's one. an um overpowering instrument. Yeah. Should be used yeah, you, more judiciously. Yeah. You can't really hide a sax. I mean, if it starts playing, that's what you're listening to. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's what I'm listening to anyway. And I love the saxophone. I mean, I love it. But that just doesn't work for me. So anyway, um, we'd love to hear what you guys think about the saxophone. 
um, or what you think about Blade Runner and Vangelis' score. Is it all that everyone's made it out to be all these years? Uh, you can let us know at all those contact informations that I gave you earlier. And I'll give it to you again at the end, but let us know what you think about uh, Blade Runner and saxophones. You know, um, I have one, one last thing. The, aside from okay. that, I think the only movie I can think of that involves saxophone, that like the first thing that comes to mind is um, Lost Boys. Hmm, the, the, there's a concert scene with a uh, oiled up fellow rocking the sax. <laughs> I don't know if it made oh, it into the it... score, but it, it, you say saxophone in movies, and that's oh, uh, but that's diegetic, though, right? That's it, yeah. It, it's probably. I mean, it's probably on the soundtrack. I don't know if it's in the score, but I it's... don't even know who did. Did Michael Kamen do that score too? Sounds right to me. Lost Boys. Yeah, that's man. That's going way back. I haven't seen it since. But I, saw I it think the first that was time. part of a song. It wasn't part of the score. Indeed, that oh, sucks. Because I, yeah. I listen to the soundtrack a lot. For Lost Boys? Yeah. I is it Michael Kamen? No, it Michael no, Kamen? it's just they. Uh, um, I don't remember who did the score because it's mo- the soundtrack is all songs. Oh, you listen to the the, pop the song track compilation yeah. song. Oh, right. they don't. They they never released a score. A score <laughs> oh, album? No. Oh, okay. Huh. Interesting. So it must be like all 80s hits, old 80s hits. Is that what it is? Yeah, they're not hits, really. They're just 80s songs. But yeah, one of the songs is very heavy on the sax. And okay. uh, yeah, it's part of the song. It's not a score thing. Was it like Huey Lewis in the news or something? <laughs> <laughs> I can't see Huey Lewis in, in the news in the Lost Boys. Just movie. clearly remember a shirtless, oiled up dude wailing away on the sax. <laughs> Right. Club scene. Wow. Yeah, I don't remember that, but I'm glad I don't remember <laughs> that actually. <laughs> All right. Well, Thomas uh, as, as, Thomas Newman did Lost Boys. Uh huh. Wow. <laughs> Maybe that's why you like it, uh, Jeremy. It's Tom Newman. <laughs> well, right? there you go. <laughs> it all comes full circle. Uh, it sure does. Well, we're going to move it on. This we're, we're, we're going long. Uh, we've got, we need to get to our main topic. No saxophones in this one, though. Um, Titanic. It is the 100th anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic. So in tribute or in commemoration, um, we are going to be talking about Titanic score by James Horner. Now, it's hard to believe that it's been, what, 15 years since that came out? Um, I remember very vividly seeing that movie for the first time. I... I hadn't been blown away by a film um, like that in a very long time. I mean, it, it literally blew me away the first time I saw that movie. Um, what was your guys' reaction to the film and the score uh, back in 1997? Um, and all of us can answer that except uh, Jeremy, because Jeremy has yet to see the movie Titanic. He is the only one. 
uh, we'll be giving his contact information to you later to chastise him later. I don't know but... if he has yet to see it. It's the best. It's perhaps the most accurate explanation. Oh, has avoided it. <laughs> has not has seen it. Has no plans oh. to see it. Oh, has no plans to see it. Okay, well, uh, we'll ask you last yes. why that is. Um, uh, Helen, when did you for, first see it? What was your reaction to it? I saw it um, when it came out in the theater. I loved it. I went back to see it in the theater like four or five more times. <laughs> yep, me too. I yeah, saw that it was six me. Times in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> People like me made the, you know made the box office for James Cameron. So yep. yeah, I it was awesome. Too. I loved the score. Yeah. I loved the song. I loved you know everything. You know, for me, it was I kept bringing people back to see it. Like I brought my family after I saw it, you know, with, with um, I don't know who I saw it with a couple of friends. And then I was like, oh, you got to see Titanic. They're like, OK, well, um, let's go. So I'm like, all right, I'll go, too. So I saw it. and then there was other friends like, oh, we got to see you got to see you haven't seen Titanic. Got to see it. So that was how come I kept going back because people wanted to go. And I'm like, yeah, I'll go see it again. Um, so I'm not a teenage girl, but I saw it six times in the theater. Wow. And <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is impressive. I, I mean, it was you know, it's one of those experiential films. You you watch it on a TV, I don't care how big your TV is, it's not the same. To see that in a theater, big screen, big sound, it was just it was like you don't get that experience anywhere else. And 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 so I and and I love the score. I was already a James Horner fan. Uh, I actually was kind of like I was kind of didn't like it at first. The score, I was like, "What are these synthesizers?" I mean, you know, it's 1912. Where was there? There's no synthesizers in 1912. You know, where is all that coming from? So I was a little bit kind of like, eh? but by the end of it, I love the whole thing. Richard, what about you? Um, I wasn't old enough when it came out in the theater to see it here. Um, so my first time was on TV, um, oh. but I remember at the time my sister was in university. And she had posters of Leonardo DiCaprio and all of the, all of that stuff. So I think just out of spite, I didn't like it at the time. But um, now, yeah, it's 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 a good film. Uh, it's not my favorite, but um, I can see obviously a huge amount of work went into it, and it's he's obviously a very good director and um, good cast as well. DiCaprio is probably my favorite actor now, so oh, times okay. have changed. Uh, but, so you didn't think he was good in that film? No, I think he or was good, just but just at the time, it was like kind of like, oh, I've got to annoy my everywhere. sister. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, he's a very good actor. Very, very good. Um, but uh, the score, yeah, I I guess at the same, considering I didn't like the film a huge amount the first time, I didn't really pay attention to the score that much. But it's grown on me a lot, obviously, um, seeing as how the score I gave it. Uh, and I probably had the same opinion as you with the synths. I was like, okay, this sounds kind of weird. Maybe I didn't relate to the fact that it was in 1912. I just thought it was kind of strange at first. Yeah. But I think it grows on you um, quite well. Uh, yeah. If you give it repeated listens, it works pretty well. And of course, yeah. um, there is, other than the synth sounds, uh, there's a lot of really, really nice music in there. Yeah. Very good. I agree. Okay, Jeremy, what's the deal? Well, the deal is, I you know what I I when it came out, I just didn't have a huge interest in watching it, um, and I think part of it was just me being contrary because everyone was going to see it a bunch of times. 
Yeah. Um, and I think it's more about uh, now I'm just it's it's more amusing to say that I've never seen it than to go and see it. Yeah. I, I, I wish I had a, a, a more interesting story to tell. Um, <laughs> no, it, it makes sense. But obviously I mean, a lot it, of people like yeah. it. And I'm, I'm sure it's an excellent movie. Um, and in terms of the score, I mean, I, having not seen the movie, it didn't, it didn't cross my desk for a while. Um, I've gone back uh, as the new Ryuichu came back and listened to it. And I think, um, now obviously I don't have the context of the film, but I think it's, it's basically like the apex of all that I like and all that I don't like about James Horner. <laughs> Um, it's, it's very lush and epic and, you know, there's a lot of strong string themes and the, the choir that he always uses and the melody of the choir that he always uses and (laughs) the themes that he always uses. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that the word I wrote down when I was, when I was watching, when I was listening to it is glossy. Um, and I mm. think it's a very glossy score. It's it's mm. very polished. It's um, you know it's it does exactly what I guess what you would want it to do in in the in the movie, and it 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 does it very sort of professionally. And it seems like the score that should go with the most highly the highest grossing movie of all time. Hmm. Interesting. That's a really good word. Glossy. That's mm. a really good word for it. Um, just I want to read the quote. The main quote from. From Richard's review of of Titanic, uh, I thought this was a a really poignant statement. Um, He says, when a piece of music has a moment of merely six seconds that is more seductive than entire symphonies, you know you are onto something special. That's a pretty strong statement. I mean, mean, you gave it a nine out of ten, so obviously that's that's consistent with a statement like that. Which are those six seconds, um, Richard? It's in rows. Uh, oh, it's in rows. Yeah, okay. I can't remember the exact six. Like forty seconds in the harp. Uh, I just think I repeat that part over and over. I think it's a really beautiful moment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. At the, at, when I re- was reading through your your review before I posted, I was like, "Oh, that's the quote right there," because it's <laughs> so strong. Um. So as the years have passed, uh, ha- has your love or hatred or uh, grown ebbed and flowed over the years for the for the score itself or has it have you just remained kind of indifferent to it richard um i i think it comes and goes how i feel about it i always like it but certain points if i listen to it i'll have a higher opinion of it uh i think i often listen to the track uh leaving port which i go on and on about in the review Mm-hmm. And maybe neglect the rest of it a little bit. Um, and until I did the review, I hadn't really listened to Back to Titanic very much. Mm. But having done so, that that final suite is a really incredible <sighs> piece of music. Both of the suites, yeah, the opening suite and any suite, they're fantastic. Yeah. So my opinion has, in that case, has improved. Um, has yeah, yeah, really, really fantastic. What about you, Helen? Uh, do you have a love, hate, or ebb and flow of your appreciation of that score over the years, or? Just kind of stayed the same. No, I, I, it stayed about the same. I've always had a very strong fondness for it. It's a, it's a girly score, you know. It's a romantic <laughs> score. <laughs> so, 
so. See, us three guys are trying not to take offense <laughs> at that very sexist statement. Yes, it is. <laughs> now, now, what makes you say it's a girly score? Why is it girly? Well, you know, the female vocals. vocals, vocals yeah, uh-huh. you know, the Enya-like quality of it. The, you know, it's it's just and the romantic aspect of it. You know, to that all tends to be more of a the type of stuff that appeal to women, I think, more than say something Brian Tyler would compose. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, well, uh, yeah. that's true. But you take a track like what is it, Hard to Starboard or Leaving Port, like you said, or Take Her to See Murdoch. Those aren't very girly. I mean, especially Hard to Starboard. I mean, once that's that that corner is turned in the film. Yeah. It's it's pretty. But then it's it on. just sounds like glory, you know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you of. know um, his standard war movie that he. That was one that I wrote down too. What? Glory. Oh, there are some <laughs> elements of yeah, but you know, to me, there's uh, Titanic feels very has a lot of unique elements to me from any of his other scores. Yeah, there are some commonalities. But, like, Sissel's performance, I think, makes it stand out, even though she kind of sounds like Enya, true. But um, um, that whole synthesized kind of calliope sound that's used, you know, the very positive energy that's in the, in the first half of the, you know, uh, of the score, um, like the Leaving Port or Take It or See, I, don't, I can't think of any other scores that have that really super positive, hyper-y, you know, vibe to it. Maybe they're out there, but I, 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 those stand out as unique um, from Warner to me. Yeah, that's that's probably true. I, I would say that this I haven't listened very much to Avatar, so um, but uh, I would say Titanic's probably, in my opinion, James James Warner's best work. Hmm. Okay. Uh, okay, that's an interesting statement. I don't know if I can say that. I really like it a lot. I don't know if I can go that far. What about you guys, um, Richard? Would he, is that is it his best? I don't think it's his best. It's obviously up there. Um, I'm trying to think what I think his best is. Uh, I think maybe I prefer Legends of the Fall um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or yeah, Apollo 13 as well. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's hard. I love all of his scores. So. Yeah. Well, where where do you let's let's handle that question out while we're talking about it? Where do you, where do you rank it? So it's somewhere close to the top, but yeah. maybe below Apollo thirteen and Legends of the Fall. Yeah, and Black Hole. Okay. I think I prefer Black Hole. Wow, yeah, I really okay. like that. Right, because Black you do. got ten out of ten, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's uh, and, uh, and Titanic only got nine. So. I haven't been able to feel that for Black Gold yet. <laughs> I I don't. I, I tried, and I'm just like. Richard, I want to hear what you hear, bro, but (laughs) I haven't found that place yet. Keep trying. Um, (laughs) I need to see the film. I haven't seen the film. Um, Jeremy, what about you? Where does where does Titanic fall in your in your your Horner list? It's interesting. Um, Richard and Helen have mentioned the the four uh, scores that I specifically wrote down. And, And there's a there's a cue early on in the Titanic soundtrack. I'm sorry, I don't have it in front of me. Um, that's that's very similar to um, re-entry and, sm- and splashdown from Apollo 13. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, that there's some interesting parallels be- between those two scores in terms of, um, you know, okay, yes, he he does tend to be repetitive, but there's there's um, it's interesting to see how he approaches space epic from, compared to sea epic. Um, yeah. 
you know, I, I think, it, as I said, it's, it's, I think it's probably his most, it's the most James Hornery of all of his scores. <laughs> um, it's all of the James Horner stuff at full yeah. blast, 100%. And, you know, uh, the, the, the only one I would go back to and, and put up on my list is Willow um, mm. from a while ago. Uh, yeah. I think that's that's one that that uh, people should go back and, and listen to again. Oh, for sure. No, I love sure. Willow in the film. I just love it in the film. But every time I sit down to listen to it on soundtrack, it's it doesn't grab my attention. It doesn't have the same meaning without the story hmm. for me. It's been a long time since I've listened to Willow. I mean, I like it. I own it. But it's been a long time. I'm going to go do that. Just. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is that Shakuhachi Blast. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he uses it everywhere, but for some reason, as soon as I hear Willow, I hear that Shakuhachi. <laughs> so, um, I'm surprised none of you have mentioned Braveheart because I personally think he should have won an Oscar for that before he won it for Titanic. Um, I, I think it, it's like that's very close to to his best score. Um, I, I still put like. There's so many, but that's that's right up there, along with Legends of the Fall. Yeah. Um, what did you think of uh, Deep Impact? Because I was just looking through my James Horner music, and I'd actually rate that maybe the top. Deep Impact? Near, near the top, yeah. Wow. Really like it a lot. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, it it's just... Deep, I mean, it's a solid score, but it's just there's there's nothing fresh about it. You know, no, yeah. Titanic has its elements which are very distinctive, and Deep Impact is like it's a quintessential James Horner score. But yeah. it, there's there's I can't remember anything remarkable about that particular score. Okay. But but where do you guys come off on Braveheart? Is it like in your top five? Yeah, Braveheart's very close to the top for me. But the the only reason why it probably not my favorite Horner score is because the movie is so emotional and sad for me that it's hard oh, for I me see. to watch it so I don't and then the the music reminds me of the sadness so I don't oh, listen I to it very much <laughs> all of the emotional connections yes yes it's just too <laughs> I mean, tragic I love that movie I, I love the movie to death and and I love the, and the music has so much to do with that right um it's yeah. a great movie, but I can, but but I can it, see. I can personally, see. it's so tragic that I can't watch it too too much. Oh, I see. Yeah, I mean, the end is pretty <laughs> brutal. I ne- I never look forward to that part when I do once. It's like, oh man, I got to go through this again. <laughs> um, what about you, uh, Jeremy, with Braveheart? Uh, you know, I haven't heard it in long enough that I don't. I don't know that I could rank it. Wow. Wow. I I I don't know. I I'm so like. If I really have to be in the mood for James Horner, because I feel like there's the particular mood associated with most of his stuff, and and I don't know, I have I, I bought I bought Legends of the Fall as soon as I I saw the movie in the theater. I love that score. Um, mm-hmm. I I love Apollo 13. I love Glory. Um, mm-hmm. But I I don't know. I I feel like I own all the James Horner I need to own right now. Mm. Well, to me, Braveheart is Legends of the Fall with bagpipes. Um, See, but I've I've heard Legends of the Fall. Yeah, it's, it's true. That's kind of how I feel about. Uh, but not with bagpipes. You need bagpipes. <laughs> I can I think I can imagine the bagpipes maybe. <laughs> uh, I I heard Legends of the Fall after Braveheart. Um, this is when I was kind of coming into 
appreciating Horner. And I was just, you know, it was that great time when it's just like, oh, what else has he done? Yeah. Oh, he's done this. I'll listen to that. Oh, that's all. You know, and you're just discovering all this new stuff, even though it's been around forever. Um, what about you, Richard Braveheart? Where is uh, that? It's definitely not my favorite. Um, I haven't seen the film in a long time. Since really? I was, a, I was a, like a little kid when I saw it. So I can't really Still remember. have that bias against the Scots, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> just can't let it go. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's nice. Uh, one track for love of the for the love of a princess. That's one of my favorite tracks of his. Yeah. Uh, but no, I wouldn't rate it as one of the top ones. It's good for sure. But and hmm. I think I, th- I think you, you need to watch that movie again. Yeah, maybe I do. <laughs> um, I think that would help. But what did you think of Bicentennial Man? I like it because I, I like, like that it. a lot as well. I like it quite a bit. Uh, you know, it's maybe maybe it's in my top ten. It's hard to say. There's so many good ones. I don't know if it make my top ten or not. Because it's again quintessential Horner, yeah. but nothing super distinctive. You know, variations on themes that he's used elsewhere. Um, I mean, but solid and beautiful and all that. But you know, I maybe done better elsewhere. Any score that has a track name called "The Wedding" seems to be pretty good. That's James true. Every, that's true. He's, he's used that in like three or four yeah. or five. That's true. That's very funny. <laughs> now you know I, it's the it's his and it's really we're kind of diverging off of Titanic, but um, it's his smaller scores are some of my favorites. You know, Searching for Bobby Fischer will will always be in my top three. The other two in that top three may juggle around, but Searching for Bobby Fischer will never fall out of well. I doubt will seriously ever follow that top three. Small score, but just it is a – to me, it's a profound score. I don't know what makes it profound, but it's just something – there's just a – it's sublime, and, and I can't really quantify it. I can just say there's something in that score that I don't hear in any of his other scores, even though it sounds similar to other scores. I wonder um, it's cause, because he had to sort of be restrained or restrain himself in terms of the – the scope of it there's Might pro- be. I, I bet there's a bunch of examples of different um composers who went smaller than they usually did and did something interesting yeah that's a good point that restraint you know because what he does just with the simple little guitar riff that he does you know counterpoint to the piano melody that he, and it's just like i could listen to that all day every day and never tire in fact i almost do um but anyway um so yeah, Titanic's kind of all, all over the place for us and where it would rank. Although I think most of we're all saying it would. It's, it's. Uh, well, no, Jeremy, you're not. You're saying it's been done. He's done all of that elsewhere. Well, I mean, yes, but I think if you were to pick, if you were somebody was new to James Horner and you wanted to pick something that was most representative of okay the height of his powers and the depth of his whatever. Um, yeah. That that would be that would be a good choice. Okay, all right. That's that's fair. I think it's a good statement. Um, any final comments on Titanic before we wrap this thing up? I think I'm just going back to that uh, rounding out, um, like a summary of James Horner. I think I would put that with a deep impact. Actually, I mean, really? Yeah. I don't know what it is about that score. I see loads of people saying, "Oh, it's no good. Oh, it's too repetitive." But there's something about it. Uh, hmm. I don't know what it is, but I have to agree. I mean, because that was his first score after Titanic, so it was, was like it? Okay. I I grabbed that. I didn't see the movie. I mean, I eventually saw it, 
but I just grabbed that because it was like, oh, it's James Horner who did Titanic. I got to have this. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's it's good. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I literally have not listened to that in like 10 years or more. So I'll dig that out. And All right. Well, this has been fun. Very fun. And, um, you know, in our own little film music-y way, we pay tribute to to um, Titanic and, you know, the, all the, the great loss of life that took place. Um, but we'd like to know, of course, what you guys think of Titanic. It's been around for 15 years, mu- music and the movie. Uh, let us know what you think. Are you tired of it? Do you wish it would just sink away uh, and never be heard oh, from sh- again? <laughs> or does it, or does it, uh, uh, does it still make you swoon uh, with girly feelings of <laughs> romance? <laughs> oh, one more before I forget. Crawl. Yeah. I really loved Crawl too. Oh, okay. Crawl. That Very. was that's like quintessential early Horner. Yes. You know, eighties Horner. Um, which is a very different vibe from later Horner. Uh, Have you guys had call on that. Beyond Borders? Yeah. That was pretty cool. I don't think that's really tip. I know we were saying what is his typical score. But that's atypical. That's very yeah. atypical for him. Yeah, I listened to that quite a bit You know when it first came out, but I, I haven't listened to it in a long time. Yeah, good call on that. That is something that's off the beaten path yeah. for him. Um, and, and I wish he would do more things off the beaten Well. <laughs> we but all dude, do. <laughs> may, 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 I say that, and then you know what? You're right, Jeremy. When you say you have to be in the right mood for for James Horner, but when I get in that James Horner mood, nothing yeah. else will satisfy me. It's like okay, I can listen to all of his different scores, even though they sound the same, and enjoy every second of it. But when you're not in that mood, it's just like oh god, I can't listen to <laughs> any more of the same sounding stuff. It's it's it's. I think Richard, I think you've experienced that same thing. That when you're when you get into that mood, yeah. it's just like you're locked it's, into yeah, that exactly, sound. Yeah. It's <laughs> weird. I don't get. I don't me. get like that with any other composer really um, that I can think of. It's just like I don't have a John Williams mood. I don't have a Hans Zimmer mood. Um, yeah, I think it is uh, a James Horner thing, isn't it? It's weird. It's <laughs> some. It's weird. I don't know how, how, what that is, uh, but yeah. All right, well, hey, as we're going to wrap up, we do want to hear from you. Um, soundcast at tracksounds.com. Let us know what you think of this episode or any other. 407-512-0614. If you want to call and leave us a nice or not-so-nice voicemail, say whatever you like. Um, tweet at us at tracksounds. Um, Jeremy, where can people find more information about you and, and give you a hard time for never seeing Titanic? <laughs> Uh, I'm on Twitter at Jeremy Myers. Uh, you can read my blog, I suppose, at jeremymyers.com. And deepercontext.com is deeper context. Awesome. Um, Richard, how can people contact you and, and uh, give you a hard time about your overflowing reviews of Titanic? <laughs> <laughs> at MonkeyButlerMan on Twitter. All right. And Helen, where can all the guys... Uh, reach you for your sexist statements <laughs> about girly <laughs> and, Titanic. And, um, you know, for not liking Ridley Scott. <laughs> yes, that's <right. laughs> um, At Helen Sun. At Helen Sun at Twitter, on Twitter. Okay, very good. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. We want to thank you all for listening. And so until we are listening and talking and playing and doing all these things again together, we ask you to stay tuned.